0: Welcome to the innovation and compliance podcast, part of the compliance podcast network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently. And at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Dan Wager. Dan's with LexisNexis Risk Solutions. And we're here to talk about a report recently issued by LexisNexis Risk Solutions, entitled The True Cost of Financial Crimes Study. It's a fascinating report, but it has lots of implications for the compliance professional. So I wanted to uh, have Dan on to really take a deep dive into this. So Dan, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome and thank you for taking the time
0: to visit with me today. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me.
1: Dan, can you tell us a little bit about your role at LexisNexis Risk Solutions and the team you have literally across the globe helping you facilitate that work for your clients?
0: I'd be glad to, Tom. I lead the financial crime compliance strategies for LexisNexis Risk Solutions, and I have a global team that focuses on identifying market opportunities, merger and acquisition opportunities, regulatory developments, and anything related to our development of products and data to serve our customers in the areas of anti-bribery and corruption, anti-money laundering, sanctions, screening, and sanctions enforcement in related areas.
1: Dan, many of the listeners to this podcast are anti-corruption compliance professionals, and many work in commercial corporations, not financial institutions, not financial services institutions. So one of the things I'm trying to do is bring people like yourself on the podcast to really help the anti-corruption compliance specialist who's in the commercial corporation understand financial crimes and how, in many ways, the bad guys from the financial crimes world are migrating over to the commercial world because it's softer targets, whereas financial institutions and financial services companies have been worrying about financial crimes for quite some time, not so much on the the commercial side. So. What I wanted to start with is the report itself, the true cost of financial crime study. What led to this report and how has your client base received
0: this? Well, they've received it really well. The report is something we've been doing for, I think, over five years now. And we've done it at the regional level. We've done it in, you know, major regions of the world for years. This is our first year of doing a roll-up overview where we bring together regional studies into a global view. And it's designed to be, you know, an empirical, statistically sound sampling of people in the industry that oversee compliance processes in any area of financial crime compliance and to establish costs and trends. And the report is, besides just being a cost insight, is designed to provide some particular insights around labor versus technology and other trends that the industry is facing. So I was really
1: intrigued by one of the major sort of ways you structured the reports, and it started with high-level observations. Could you give us the high-level observations from the study?
0: Absolutely. So when we look at the you know overarching observations, we summarize it into six key findings. One is focused on simply the staggering level of cost when you bring the regions together. And our methodology shows that the true cost of compliance globally is in excess of $180 billion a year. Interestingly in that, there's some regional differences and we can get into more detail on that. But the UK and Germany, these EMEA areas were leading the world in compliance spend at this point. And that's something that's new. They were not in the lead years past. We've also found that each region has its own risks and issues. Different areas are struck by concepts of bribery and corruption in different ways. Things like de-risking. We also did a specialized study section on non-bank payment providers and the pains that they cause in the compliance environment for clearing banks. That's part of the rotating set of questions we ask. And then finally, we asked to assess the effect of the compliance challenges and the compliance burden upon morale, talent retention, and then summarize the whole thing with some introduction to how the proper use of the right technologies can assist in offsetting costs and making better compliance decisions.
1: One of the things that struck me, I would say I'm surprised. On the other hand, anyone who's read the news for the past two or three years in the financial crimes arena is not surprised, is that the UK and EU appear to be at higher risk. On the one hand, one might consider Western Europe, relatively sophisticated in terms of its controls. On the other hand, anyone who's read the news, as I said, understands the risk. What did uh, you guys find in the study around that issue?
0: Well, interestingly, for anti-bribery and corruption professionals, obviously there's been some recent news about a major settlement with a European airline manufacturing entity, and this related to both anti-bribery and corruption for the FCPA and related to export control violations. And it was a staggering sum. But that case was brought jointly by U.S. enforcement agencies and European agencies, with the U.S. being the principal prosecutorial investigative driver on that. It is that trend, that extraterritorial reach of, of U.S. anti-bribery, U.S. sanctions and other rules, enforcement, that's driving the cost. So if you think about Right now, the scandals that drive the European spend, it is 1MDB from Southeast Asia. It is Russia laundromat and mirror trading. And the scandals, even those occurring like Odebrecht uh, and Lavajato in Brazil, it has temporarily focused global enforcement and regulatory pressure on European banks. And it's not something that will stay that way. Important to note, when you look at the German and European banks with U.S operations they are currently employing more people on remediations lookbacks and regulatory review processes than even the big US banks are and that spend accrues back to their parent so with thousands of workers for german banks in the US working on remediation that cost is shown in our study in the german parent
1: one of the things you touched on in your sort of opening remarks or earlier in the podcast was that each region has its own unique risks. So I was wondering if you might be able to detail some of those, but also does that lend itself for more unique or customized solutions in regions across the globe?
0: It does, and that is a great observation highlighting some of the things we found in the study. The Each region does present different risks and opportunities. Different regions have taken different approaches to the adoption of technology. In particular, places like Asia and certain countries within the EU and EMEA generally have had a very aggressive approach to compliance technology and innovation. Challenger banks, online entities, fintech and regtech startups that employ new approaches and new ways of using analytics to take up some of the human burden. So that's one difference. The risk issue is very interesting because sometimes a risk that presents itself in a region may actually cause spend and burden in other places. As I mentioned, the 1MDB scandal was focused, obviously, upon activities in in East Asia, Southeast Asia. Certainly, there were immediate effects and prosecutions and regulation there. And that was a pure bribery and corruption case involving official corruption allegedly out of Malaysia. But the banks that are bearing the biggest spend related to that? are European and U.S. institutions that were part of the issuances or the onward flow of money. So it's a huge scandal in Asia and a huge corruption scandal there. But the institutions that are being burdened are actually mostly outside of Asia.
1: And to your point, even this week, the Swiss regulatory authorities, FINMA, or at least they're considering suspending the license of a Swiss bank, which facilitated part of the, the money's transfers for 1MDB, so it's still on an ongoing basis. You okay. also mentioned something that, frankly, I was not as familiar with, but when I studied it from the report, it became clear that it has a lot of actual commercial corporation considerations, and that's non-bank payment providers present additional compliance risks. And I suppose anybody who's read the European news around Wirecard is going to be familiar with this. But what risks are you seeing in that arena?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. In most parts of the world, non-bank payment providers fall under some sort of regulatory regime. But there is a significant number that are sort of operating outside of the traditional financial landscape, the regulated financial landscape. For instance, crowdfunding. Crowdfunding and point-of-sale lending, which obviously is down in the current environment significantly. But those sort of entities, they're not banks. They provide the movement of money and the availability of funds, but they all require a bank behind them. Under the laws of the U.S., European, and Asian jurisdictions, they don't lend money directly. They just simply underwrite review through the front-end processes, and then they batch them up, and a bank issues the money. That sort of introduction of that commercial entity that's not a traditional bank but a bank is behind it the bank bears a lot of risk when someone else is interfacing with the consumer and then you have you know the whole space of payment startups when you look at alternate currencies and the cryptocurrency space again some regulated some not these are entities with which businesses are going to continue to find more and more interaction and obviously risk and it's important to note that you know for your audience with with its significant number of corporate anti-bribery corruption and compliance professionals, the areas of anti-bribery corruption and sanctions are a universal risk, whether you're a financial institution or not. It's a corporate risk. And some of the biggest corporations in the globe are either under investigation or have come through investigations and penalties recently because of sanctions or bribery issues. It's a natural move by the government away from the banks to the next target, which is the corporate world.
1: So the next topic was the negative impact on financial institutions. And you touched upon that a little bit, particularly in the context of European banks. But I was wondering if you might have
0: some broader comments about that as well. One thing that we found that was really interesting is obviously the cost and burden is something that, you know, everyone understands the challenges it presents. But one of the things that the study brought out was that we asked compliance professionals and leadership in this space to say Is this having an effect on your ability to hire workers, to retain talent? Is your workforce less effective because of the heightened compliance burden? And perhaps, uh, where does technology sit in that? Do you use technology to lessen the human burden? Shockingly, we found significant concern among compliance professionals that the demands of regulators and laws, the increasing requirements that are needed to onboard an entity to review and conduct proper due diligence, they're having a negative effect on their workforces. They're just losing productivity, they're losing good people, and they're having a harder time finding talent in that space. And this is something that I've found with our corporate clients as well as our financial institution clients. We have a sizable number of corporate clients that we serve in this environment, and they are being increasingly challenged to implement robust controls without significant increases in budget.
1: So Dan, the last sort of key finding is really a prescient for the anti-corruption compliance practitioner. So I'd like to spend perhaps a little bit more of time on this and it's a layered approach to compliance is favored. First of all, I really like the phrase layered because nobody in the ABC world phrases it like that. And as I studied the report, it became clear that's a really important insight in a way for a compliance practitioner of of any compliance, trade sanction, anti bribery anti-corruption, antitrust, environmental, it doesn't matter to think through the risk management you have in a compliance program, but also the recognition that financial crime compliance initiatives can provide broader benefits to businesses which implement them. So, I was wondering if you could kind of detail the findings from the report under Key Finding 6.
0: Absolutely. And you raise a number of great points there. One is just to baseline with your significant number of corporate listeners non-financial institution listeners that just a reassurance that the challenges you face are not unique to your space there are still many global banks whose anti-bribery and corruption programs rely upon the sending and receiving of emails to request the authorization to spend with public officials or state owned entities you know systems where it's highly manual and this is just not going to work in the environment today to find and uncover issues before they occur to your question The layered approach that we have seen work best if it begins really at the front door and the increasing integration into customer relationship management programs and solutions of the right sort of information screens is the best way to start your compliance program. For instance, as someone begins to prospect a vendor, to prospect a targeted customer, a supplier, or any sort of third party, They should be vetted at the start to ensure that they're not an off-service state-owned entity. They're not a politically exposed person. They're not a governmental official. If you really want to take a step further, you can also screen those entities at the front gate using those integrated modules in customer resource or customer relationship management software to see, is there adverse media? And you can set thresholds to say, I wanna see only very significant things. This way, you don't even start your spend or efforts if someone is a corrupt politician and it does not meet your company's risk tolerance statement or attitude and policies. So it starts at the front gate, and then it involves using technology further to screen and clean up your data to ensure the information on the people you're dealing with is accurate, it is complete, because full names of companies, actual and proper addresses, proper names of individuals, very critical information to ensure that you can identify whether they are a risk or not. And then I would also suggest that you know, many corporates and financial institutions both are still you doing things like taking expenses. And as I mentioned a moment ago, by the time an expense comes in, you should already have had a control in place. Uh, The layered approach means before you spend something on someone or give money to someone or buy something from someone, you should have vetted them and most companies do. But most companies rely on their most significant anti-bribery control being a review of expenses. And you know, in that form, they should be using batch queries. You know, there are a number of solutions out there in the market that allow you to batch query large amounts of data. Again, the names and entities of your authorized suppliers, the people that your salespeople or frontline are spending money on, and any party involved in a deal, construction, law firms, anyone you know that's introduced as a consultant intermediary, these should be routinely screened and ongoing screen, but not by humans typing names in. That's a highly ineffective way. It should be done in bulk, in batch, with accurate data. And this layered approach, guarding the front door, monitoring for the emergence of adverse media or monitoring for the emergence of enforcement activity, making sure you identified public officials and their associated entities and family members, that is what protects an institution from falling into a bad situation with enforcement and regulators.
1: Dan, I don't want to demean or belittle the entire report, but I really want to talk about page 45, because this to me was not simply counterintuitive, but really stunning. And it's a page where the report analyzes the spend of companies who use a less layered approach with technologies, as opposed to those with a more layered approach. And what you guys found, or at least the report found rather, was that Even with a higher annual spend for your compliance program, the average cost per FTE or the labor component is almost one-half or at least 40% less for companies using the layered approach. So I was wondering if you could just walk us through that slide.
0: Sure. You know, again, it's very important to understand that it's not just about throwing technology it's about using the right technologies and one size does not fit all. Every company does not need the same things in the same places. They don't have the same risk profile. But what this shows is that when companies spend more on the right technologies, the percent of their cost on labor is reduced. And when you think about this, you know, I, I headed a investigation section for a global bank. In that role, I've hundreds of investigators that reviewed information every day and they were well paid You know, to make high importance decisions every day. Too much of their time was spent typing, pasting, copying information from one system to another and staying logged in. That means that you pay someone a lot of money to make decisions but instead they're, they're doing rote activities. That's what this is saying here. It doesn't mean that you can hire cheaper labor. It means you have fewer people to accomplish the same compliance end because you're automating and accomplishing through technology much of that rote work. So per FTE cost there isn't meant to say that using more you can pay people less. It means that, you know, their staff and amount of spend is significantly lower than someone who is just throwing bodies at. there's one more factor here, and that is if you are a corporate or a financial institution and you are thrown into a regulatory look back or facing enforcement for any sort of crime, but particularly sanctions or bribery corruption issues, you're going to go and hire loads of individuals, consultants and others, to come in and review records, to review things manually. That is why, in those scenarios, technology is infrequently and insufficiently leveraged, and your total cost goes up significantly.
1: Dan, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted uh, any more information about LexisNexis Risk Solutions or the report. Where can they go?
0: Well, they can do a a web search for LexisNexis Risk Solutions. It'll bring you to our splash page, and there are spots there you can ask for more information. If you want to go right to the report and get more info, you can just type in LexisNexis Risk Solutions, true cost of compliance or total cost of financial crime compliance, and you'll find our study and a link to actually download the full report. We're
1: going to link to that, of course, in the show notes. So for those who didn't get all of that in the audio feed, Dan, this has just been a fascinating exploration of a topic that... I think really was significantly important,
0: and I hope we can continue the conversation. I'd be glad to, Tom. Anytime you look like to have me back, thank you for having me. If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's com slash courses.